welcome to episode 141 of the Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual spike. My name is Shane, here in Denver, Colorado, with me on the line from Chicago, Illinois, the godfather himself, David Harbarger. And thousands of people just went, click, I'll skip this week, because there's no Stan. No Stan. No Stan. Sorry, everybody. Just the two of us. Two of us. <laughs> Dave, can you believe 141 Making episodes? for Midnight Hunt. Just the two of us. I don't think either of us have ever been on an episode just to get, just us. This is very untrue. We've done it twice before. And every time we do it, you go, I don't think we've ever done this before. Did I sing the song? You refused to sing the song last time, which is why I'm singing it this time. It's my song Just now. the two of us. Okay. Do Everybody gets this it. with my friend. Okay. Anyway, thanks, Dave. Jeez. Reminder, reminder for everybody that Shane and I have known each other since we were eight and seven years old. Dave introduced me to Goblin Hubs. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal. Lifelong bond. Yeah, I've been actually I've been sharing that with my nephew. I have like the my my brother got me the gigantic double volume like complete set couple like a year or two ago and i've been i I will read it out loud to my 10 year old nephew and he finds it he finds it amusing yeah i've been reading that to my son on and off too he goes a little crazy after after we read it because he's like spaceman spiff and starts running all over the place and i'm like dude this it's bedtime you need to chill yeah like so yeah you can can get him worked up but Mm -hmm. kids these days dave they don't know they don't know about going outside they don't know about playing red wagons you know throwing snowballs anyway it's funny because my intro text here says on this week's episode we're going to stay focused. Been good so far. Yes, yeah, great. It's not not going to be a breakdown. Uh, that might be a lie. Uh, we're just going to do some cards, and honestly, it's not really a big deal because we got a lot of cards and not that many tournaments to really talk about. I might do a quick breakdown anyway because I've got a grid from MDGMeta.io in front of me, and when I have grids from MTGMeta.io in front of me, I got to read them, but. Yeah, it's it's really time for week two of our spoiler takes from Innistrad Midnight Hunt. And I think after a relatively tame week one, there's a lot of cool cards, I think, to consider across a variety of formats. And I think just some interesting card design in general, whether or not they see play, I think it's kind of just cool to sort of assess why they may or may not see play in right. the formats that we talk about on the show. I mean, there's a bunch of cards I'm really excited to say that I'm interested in and for you to explain to me why I shouldn't be interested in them. So I'm looking yeah, forward to that. Yeah, that's my favorite thing to do. You know that. <laughs> but before we get into all that, uh, some housekeeping. Thanks to new patrons, Keller H. Welcome back, Alex L. as well. All of you out there, if you do have space uh, in your budget, then as a little buck a week to us through patreon.com slash the dive down helps support us helps pay for the stuff we got to pay for our various subscriptions and services that we use and the editor uh, tanner keeps on keeping on with us and it makes this a lot easier to make than when we when we don't have those things so we appreciate it and in in repayment we send some stuff out to you you get access to the awesome discord it's still the best place i think to talk about magic online and also paper magic because that's been fun to play too. And if you don't have the ability right now, it's fine. We get it. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. We love you anyway. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend. If you can, yeah, if you can't do a Patreon, if you can't if you can't sign up or you don't want to sign up or whatever, tell one person this week about the dive down. Word of mouth. Uh, we got a new review from <coughs> Law Dog in it. Hmm. So, thanks for that review. It's actually a really good review, so I appreciate it. And thanks Law Dog. Yeah, thanks Law Dog. 
Dave, tell us that about always remind, That phrase always reminds me of uh, Tombstone. You remember the, the movie Tombstone? Yeah, what do you want on your tombstone, Dave? Pepperoni and cheese? I like a supreme, a like supreme the, tombstone. Like the olives? The mushrooms? Uh, yeah, and sausage. Actually, I, I really just like uh, onions and uh, pepperoni. But anyway, we said we were going to stay focused. So, last plug we have today is if you want to help us while playing Magic Online... You can uh, check out Mana Traders. ManaTraders.com is the place that we rent our magic cards for for Magic Online when we're playing Modern. And um, if you want to check them out, you can use code the Dive Down 2021, all one word, to get 15% off your first two weeks, or sorry, two months, your first two months of rental service. So uh, check out ManaTraders.com. Use that's our code. Better. Help that's, us out. That's like 4.5 times that length, Dave. All right. Um, I said we're Shame. not going to have a breakdown. But you yeah. just can't help yourself, can you? Well, I'm just going to... Okay, here's the thing. I feel bad. So I know some people really like the breakdown segment, right? Some people have, have messaged us or tweeted at us and say, hey, you keep me apprised of the meta. You keep me up to date at least a little bit. Uh, we try our best. So what, what I... There there was some historic tournament stuff that happened. There was the SCG satellites that went in... That fed into a 5K SCG Tour online championship qualifier. And there's there's a lot of people there's a, there is a lot of decks and so what I thought and then the good people over at mtgmeta.io that's their that's their Twitter handle it's mtgmeta.io and much like MTG Data they do some data collation off of MTG Melee and then spit out some cool charts about performances and matchups and things like that. And so I'm not going to get into the weeds on matchups, but what I am going to get into the weeds on, I think, is the popularity of the decks that were brought to these tournaments and the performance of some of these decks that were brought to the tournament. And so I'm just going to kind of read down in terms of performance and kind of give a general feeling on maybe this deck is better than it seems in terms of how many people are actually bringing this stuff. So let's start with the... It's basically... There are eight of these... Yeah, how big are these tournaments? So there were eight of these events. How many how many players does it look like we're in each one? So some of okay, so a, a total of like the popular decks adds up to at least thirteen hundred, if not fourteen hundred, and that's just the popular decks. So like Jeskai Control, for example, had five hundred fifty one oh five hundred fifty one matches. So okay, that's a lie. There's not that many pilots, but I did see I, I did see things ranging from like one like from seventy five to one twenty five per event. And so there were eight. Yeah, then there were eight of these. So I would say we probably had at least a thousand decks show up. Okay. Okay. So we'll start. I'm just going to start with performance. And so this was across the eight qualifying events that got you into the championship qualifier. The best performing deck on the weekend was actually Selesnya Company. And I'm sure there are some new cards in this style of deck that I'm not familiar with. And this might be some Celestia Angel stuff. This might just be some classic, the, the stuff that we were playing a few months ago. Just uh, good white and green beatdown style cards. Uh, that was about a 61% win rate. Orzov Auras, 58. Obzon Humans, 58. Simic Merfolk, 57. So those were kind of the, the decks that they chose on this chart to give a lightning bolt. And I believe lightning bolt means performing well and you should think about playing this 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 style of deck. I will also note that these were four of the middling to least popular decks. There weren't a ton of Orzov Auras matches, about 80 of those, about 80 Selesnya Company matches, uh, 175 Simic Merfolk, 151 Ops on Humans. So not quite as popular as things like Jund Food. 
at a 53% win rate across 390 matches, or Jeskai Control with 551 matches but only a 48% win rate across these uh, eight satellite events. And, uh, yep, I mean... We'll see what happens in the, the 5K in a, just a second. Uh, Mono White Humans is kind of dead center. It has about 150 matches at a 54% win rate. That's a deck that has been performing really well on untapped data. People have been doing really well with Mono White Humans in best of three. But then after that, we had this 5K event that the good performing decks across these satellites, they all fed into that and they came to play. And what's interesting here is we see... Orzov Auras running it back. So they were 58% across these satellites, and now they had a 60% win rate across in the 5K event, rather. The decks that they performed worse against are perhaps what you may have expected. Uh, Monoway Humans, it only had the single matchup against the Lesnia Company, so, and it lost that, so that's, of course, not really valuable data. But behind that was Obzon Humans. So that was a 57.6% win rate deck in the satellites. It was a 57.1% win rate deck in the, the 5K. Jeskai Control, still the most popular deck in the field, 55%. Jund Food was also about equal in popularity at only a 52%. Same number of decks, it looks like to me. Oh, that was a 52% win rate? Yeah. Jund Food actually won the tournament, yeah. it looks like to me. from I'm looking at the results, came in first place. Yeah, that's one of those decks I think that does well in the hands of players that are better than me. <laughs> like, sure. you know what I mean? Like, I think it's just, it's like all those mid rangey style decks where all these small decisions yeah. add up, you know, me playing gruel aggro. is just like, okay, I've got like two key decisions to make, but I think in a, a deck like Jun food, you have, uh, 15 perhaps key decisions across uh, a match. You know in second in this tournament, Simic Merfolk. Yeah. Uh, I, I played around with this deck a little bit. I don't know if you remember, we had a Patreon, a patron episode a while back for one of the Mickey S's and we played Merfolk and I played Selesn or I played Simic Merfolk in historic. And this deck is looking pretty sweet right now. It's got collected company. It's got a full play set of the Svelin of Sea and Sky from Modern Horizons 2. But most importantly, I think probably most importantly, it has Shoreline Scout, which is one of the digital only cards that I think maybe gave it a good boost as well this deck is looking good if you like a uh, creature kind of tribal deck yeah i know that some folks in the discord have been liking it as well saying it's definitely a player in the aggressive end of things uh i'd like to see how much i have of it so i can maybe run it out there because you know i love a good beatdown deck let's talk about the the rest of the top eight or actually one thing i do want to point out before we get into the top eight is that while it performed well across the satellites it kind of bombed celestine company mm -hmm. did kind of bombed in the uh, the five k, it only had like a thirty nine percent win rate, and Simic Merfolk also only had a forty four percent win rate in the five k. But that does not necessarily translate into the top eight, as you mentioned, Dave. We've got Jun Food, Simic Merfolk, and then we head into the uh, third place deck, Orzov Auras by Johnny Gutzmann. We have Obzon Humans by Marco Kamaluzi, Jun Food by Adam Bruni. Jeskai Control, Jeskai Control, Jeskai <laughs> Control round out the the uh, quarterfinalists by Craig Stangle, William Jackson, and Tian Fa Moon. So congratulations to our top eight folks. What this really says to me, and this is just by you know a rather small amount of data, honestly, even though it was eight satellite events and, and a 5K, is that there's still options in both aggro, mid-range, 
and control that are going to be able to perform in the historic metagame. And perhaps the fear of Jeskai control was a little premature because I think it performed rather normally in these events. And these are the events I think that decent players to good, great players were going to show up for, right? They're not just going to dedicate their weekend to an event and, and not have a lot of practice under the belt with Jeskai yeah, control. Absolutely. Think, or something like and you that. know, what's missing from this list too, which is interesting, like basically missing from the whole weekend. It almost looks like is Jeskai creativity. I mean, Phoenix is gone. Gone. You think is it is it is it different? Is it outside the Jeskai? I just double checked the top eight deck list to make sure, and it it, none of the top eight players were playing Jeskai. Were playing creativity. Wild. Um, Yeah, it says that there was only one entry into these things as a Jeskai creativity deck. Fascinating. And two is a Phoenix. So lots of cool stuff going on here. Yeah, and I think I, I I like the fact that there's some old decks that get minor tweaks that still are performing, and there's new decks that are built around some of these new cards we have. Like we see, Simic Merfolk was not really a player in Historic before, and now it gets the opportunity with some of these new cards, these digital only cards, perhaps to to show up and and make Merfolk players happy. So cool. That's my uh, that's the mini breakdown. I thought I just wanted to give people a heads up that these events happened. Take a look at the data on MTG meta IO uh, on their Twitter. Uh, thanks for putting those charts together for us to talk about. And yeah, it gives me some ideas for stuff yeah. to play in historic. Me too. I mean, I, um, MT, uh, MTG meta IO great website. Um, definitely love all the dynamic charts that they have. It's, it's a nice, nice interface. It's something, you know, the team there definitely put a ton of time into it. So go check it out. If you haven't checked it out, I mean, maybe I should be getting back into auras here or, uh, going for some Merfolk again, but cool. Cool to see some, some non-control decks doing well, uh, in, in historic. So that, that makes me feel better. Well, Dave, Let's, we don't even need to take a break here. We we barely. Talk. You don't want to take a break? No, Tanner. No break this week. We're no not break. taking a break, Tanner. This is live content. Leave this all in. Yeah, you can't. You can't. You don't get a break. You don't get to go away for fifteen seconds. You got to stay here. I still have easily a quarter cup of water to get through the the next hour and a half of this. So that's that's perfect. Well, we can take a break later, Dave. It's okay. But for here, let's let's dive in to what is perhaps the best and worst time to be a content creator. And it's the back half of the spoiler season where it's like, holy moly, I hope we have enough to talk about next week. Uh, and I think I think the set delivered. I think Midnight Hunt is pretty cool. I think there's a lot of cards that are interesting to talk about. I think there's a lot of cards I'm interested in mm-hmm. casting. And I think there's a lot of cards that are going to have an impact on modern, historic, and probably Pioneer. I agree. That's all yeah, you can I, mean, ask for, I think right? there's a lot of cool things to talk about. It's great that we don't have to go over mechanics and that we can just get into the cards. Now, how do you want to pick the order that we we do? Because the notes, I gotta say, I don't know if yeah, They're do we really want to start with the card that that's here at the top, or do you wanna do you wanna pick something else? No, Dave, I'm gonna let you pick. You I let me talked. pick. So let's get into these cards. Yeah, if you want to hear the the mechanics and our overview and thoughts about those, go to last week's episode. Exactly. We get into all that stuff for way too long, so Let's see. What do I have that I would want to start with? You know what I want to start with? I want to start with a cycle of cards because I actually think they were some of the most interesting cards that were spoiled uh, in between last week's episode and this week's episode. And that is the adversary cycle um, in of at mythic. So you know that they think that they're good. Yeah. And they're, and they're reasonably costed. 
in terms of in terms yeah, of their so mana this cost. is bloodthirsty adversary intrepid adversary primal adversary spectral adversary and tainted adversary there's one in every color they're also super tribal based the red one's a vampire the white one's a human the green one's a wolf blue one's a spirit the black one is a zombie as you might expect the thing that's super interesting about these is that they basically have multi-kicker but it's not written as multi-kicker because it's not part of the cast it is an enter the battlefield trigger that lets you pay a certain cost any number of times and they all have abilities that are they'll have something that happens based on the number of times you pay the kicker yeah so let's talk about i guess one of the first interesting things I think about when I see this is that it's not part of the casting cost, like you said. So it handles counter spells in a very different mm-hmm. way, right? Like you cast it for its casting, its mana value. If it resolves, it ETBs and then you can yeah. pay stuff. So that does that that does help get around some of the issues of something like yeah that's a great point I thought about that too much is that you get to hedge your bet a little bit and if they counter it then they just counter your two mana spell or your three mana spell by the way all of these are two CMC except for the green one primal adversary is three CMC so they're they are very cost cost friendly for their casting cost. Uh, I hadn't thought about that, Shane. You know, the big thing that I thought about with the fact that this was a comes-into-play trigger instead of part of the casting cost is that these trigger with alternate ways of getting these cards into play. So if you... Yeah, that's the most I, important I think thing, right? I, you know, I guess we'll find out how important it really is, but it, these let you get the abilities when you bring them into play off of Aether Vial, which is what a lot of people have thought about. But what I also thought about with this was Collected Company. So... Being able to ladder up off of a collected company could be pretty cool too for some of these cards as well. Uh, as you get into the late game, you know you can company into these, and then if you have a little extra mana, you get to do the bonuses as well. Yeah. So, which ones are most interesting to you? You know what? I think that why don't we go through each one, and I'll try to read them real quick. Like, I think we have time. There's only like nine lines of text on each of these. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to skip over the whole multi-kicker thing, like the way it's actually worded. But so the the one I want to start with is Bloodthirsty Adversary, which is the vampire. And it is a generic mana and a red for a 2-2 with haste. Like I said, it's a vampire. And it says when Bloodthirsty Adversary enters the battlefield, you may pay two generic red any number of times. When you pay this cost one or more times, put that many plus one plus one counters on Bloodthirsty Adversary. That's the other thing that I didn't mention is that all of these, actually four of these get bigger when they you put the counters on them and one of them doesn't. So it is a, it's a threat that scales up. Then you exile up to that many target instant and or sorcery cards with mana value three or less from your graveyard and copy them. You may cast any number of the copies without paying their mana costs. So the red one basically is like a modal goblin dark dwellers sure which was a pretty solid card at different points in time in standard uh and a little bit here and there in pioneer never really made an impression in modern other than as maybe as like a weird kind of value piece occasionally and modern's gone a few weird combo things yeah like sometimes boom bust type stuff is what people used to do with it with the old kind of like old rules there with split cards but um Bloodthirsty Adversary, I mean, what do you think of this one? Let's you recast stuff out of your graveyard. It's a scaling threat, and it has haste. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll just answer this once, or I'll just sort of mention this once, and then I won't have to mention it for each one of them. And it's like, how am I getting these into the battlefield and still having mana up? And the real answer, in modern at least, is Aether Vial. And, you know, in 
when when Spider Space is saying that Aether Vial is not very good, I don't think I'm going to be able to say that Aether Vial is good. And and so it's like if the if the foundation of these cards is hey I need to cheat it somehow for me to have enough mana to do something good, then it's like not my favorite thing in the world. Right. But however, I have yeah. to say I I think that the foundation of these cards is that they're sort of reasonable threats on their own that let you ladder that let you use extra mana later in the game if you want to. And I think yeah. that's a lot more powerful than some than I think people are maybe giving it credit for. You know, I, I think it's hard to make any card that's a creature that doesn't do something guaranteed when it comes into play uh, good and modern. You know what I mean? So we'll, we'll try to rank each one of these. But I do think that thinking of these as things that you must cheat into play is probably not the way to do it. I think that it's probably yeah. more so yeah. these are threats that scale that let you do cool stuff in the late game. I mean, they all have abilities. None of them are just straight up vanilla cards, which I think is helpful as well. Um, yeah, I think it's important to 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 then look at what the what the floor of these cards is, right? right. And like, and I think Intrepid Adversary is the next one on this list. Well, wait, what, do you, what for, do you think about the Bloodthirsty okay. one? Are we we like it? Where do we think it might have a home? Uh, Here's the two thing. in a res a lot. Two in a res a lot. Right. Here's the thing that's tricky to me about this is that most vampires are not uh, multiple color decks, like as far as tribal synergies go. And and the um, the likelihood that you're going to have instants and sorceries in a tribal deck with vampires as a theme is not super high either. And so this is a card that I look a little bit at to be like, is this a threat that goes in a burn deck? Like, is that is that what this is? And that what I do is this is my like kind of bad two drop, but really good card if i get into the later game and i'm running out of gas or something like that i get to recast a lightning bolt out of the back i don't think it rates in modern at all because the casting costs no. way too restrictive there but maybe it lends some lends some steam to, to something something else and maybe this is the type of incentive that makes a vampire tribal deck think differently about the way that it's constructed add more spells or something like that but i do think this is kind of like a not a tribal card. It's probably much more of a mid-rangey type of card. Yeah, if if that said one in a red, and for the the multi-character thing, I'd be a lot more interested in terms of possibilities here. Yep. Because, but even even coming in paying five for it and getting like one instant or sorcery with mana value three or less, it just doesn't seem like enough value for at five mana. I mean. It's a it's a three three with haste that casts terminate yeah. for five mana maybe. Like, sure, you know what I mean. Like that's yeah. not too bad. I mean, and you like you said is like you know, like I kind of hinted at too is what's the floor here is a two two with for ha- two two with haste, which isn't the worst thing in the universe, right? So anyway, sure. Let's take a look Average. at the, yeah, the next one. Let's take a look at Intrepid Adversary. Uh, generic in a white for 3-1. It's got lifelink. It's got all the counter. It's got all the counter language on it, except for this one does not get a plus one, plus one. Every time that you put it on it, it gets valor counters instead. So that's a little weird. But what this one oh, yeah. I, yeah. What this okay. one says is creatures you control get plus one, plus one for each valor counter on Intrepid Adversary. So for some reason they decided this one doesn't get to scale up. However, well, because of because of Thali is a tenant, yeah, because it would kind of like it would sort of double dip. Oh yeah, it would it'd do some cr- huge stuff. Yeah, so yeah, you have to get yeah these special valor counters that I, I think this is probably the only card that references a valor counter. Probably is probably itself. So yeah, I mean my 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 initial thinking was like oh this is 
this is dope. Like if you can sort of combo wombo combo this with like Thali as lieutenant or just any of. I mean, if you if this could would give other creatures you control plus one plus one for each plus one plus one counter on it, that would just be broken. Right. Probably. Probably. That'd be way too good. So yeah, I can think it has to kind of be this way. This is the kind of casting cost I think is reasonable enough, right? Or it's like almost an enchantment creature, honestly. Like mm-hmm. this, this could just be an enchantment creature, uh, because then it'd just be like, okay, well, I cast this for four, and I have a little mini anthem thing going on, and my creatures are stronger. Or it's like I cast this for six, like you said, late game. Like here's some, I'm, I'm, I have a bunch of mana. I'm clogging up the board. I eventually cast this for six because I got a bunch of mana out. My board gets huge, and I alpha strike. Yeah, like that's pretty reasonable as well. So yeah, I mean, I more look at this in something like the humans list that are getting popular in historic than I do as a piece sure. in modern humans. For example, there's just yeah, exactly. Modern humans is just so efficient, but you never know. I mean, maybe maybe. You you want a couple of this in a deck like that? I there's this is the type of set where it's I think it's possible that we get another one of those times where we get pressured to like make humans more simple or have a more simple humans build in in modern. You know what I mean? Where it's kind of like well maybe we don't need whatever maybe we don't need green or maybe you know we kind of like because there's been Jeskai humans a couple of times and so maybe this is one that pushes us to simplify it in that case. But you know I think this card is really good, but I do think it's more historic than anything else. But it seems like a good piece for that deck. And this is one where it's like if Historic had Vile, then this would be just bonkers because it's a kind of form that's it's just slower enough where it's like I could conceivably Vile this in with four mana and you know just immediately get a couple counters and everything rather than wait till I have six mana. But that's not the world that we live in. Yeah. But I think it's definitely a, a cool piece of tech. It's a human. It has good stats more or less on its own. So it's got life sure, link, which is helpful, you know, against certain types yeah. of decks when you're racing. All right, let's look at the next one. Primal adversary two and a green for a four, three with trample. It's a wolf. Uh, and this one, the kicker is a generic and a green, and it also gets plus one plus one counters. And what happens is up to that many target lands you control become three, three wolf to- wolf creatures with haste that are still lands. This one seems kind of good to me. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, let's see. Imagine this. I mean, Nissa, Nissa, Nissa who shakes the world, mm-hmm. still a card that is legal to play. She makes a lot of mana. Uh, combo that with this card, perfectly fine. You know, you, you, you have access to a bunch of green mana. Green is the color of ramp. It's the color that will typically have access to the most mana. And then, you know, you, you tap some mana, you pay for this thing. You put a bunch of counters on this thing, and then you get to untap. Then up to that many target lands, you, you, don't, get no, you don't get to untap it. them. Okay, no. that would be absurd. Yeah, it okay. would be totally absurd. It. So it's, I mean, it's still pretty decent. Yeah, you play this with some mana dorks, and then like drop a land, and maybe you get a three three with haste somehow early in the game. I just think on rate, this one seems really powerful. Yeah. Like like a, I mean, a four three and a three three. That's still a land. You know. Uh, just for five mana, that's pretty good. That's like seven. That's seven power and six toughness across two bodies for five mana. Why not? Yeah, and you don't have to do it if you don't want to. Like that's yeah. that's the thing. And then if you and you know if you have seven or nine mana, that is quite a board to be reckoned with, right? But this one, I don't know where this would go in modern, of course. But it feels like yeah, like you said, Nissa that shakes the world. Something that gets you a lot of mana could be cool. Maybe there is just some kind of aggressive 
aggressive green deck that this fits into with a little bit of, you know, with friend, our friendly Lanoir elves. Um, I don't know, maybe this could go on a gruel aggro kind of build as your three drop. There's always a lot of figuring out what to do with the three, three drop spot in that deck. So it's pretty good. Yeah. Okay, Spectral Adversary, generic in a blue for a 2-1 with flash and flying. Two abilities. Look at that. And then it says, when Spectral Adversary enters battlefield, you pay a generic and a blue any number of times. Da, da 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 It gets plus one, plus one counters. And then it lets you phase out that many other target <laughs> artifacts, creatures, and or enchantments. Yeah, phase. Okay, I still barely know what phasing does. It just, like, is it, it like, blink stuff? It, until the... Uh, until when? Until the next turn, the next upkeep of that owner. So if you phase something out when this comes in, it will come back on their turn. During each player's untap phase, before the active player untaps, all phased-in permanents with phasing phase out, and at the same time, all phased-out permanents under that player's control phase in. So you only and get rid of them they, for They don't a have summoning sickness, though. Right. They don't right? have summoning sickness. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so basically it's just like a blink to get some blockers out of the way or maybe like an artifact that has you pinned down or something like that, enchantment. Yep. I mean, I think it's interesting. That in this staring bridge. Exa- that's exactly the card that I was thinking about because Spirits has, of course, no way to um, interact with those at all. But um, this one I really want to like, but I feel like it's not very good. I wish it was better. I just think there's a lot of other options for Spirits in basically every format. Um, I don't know. I could be wrong. This could be something that is good in either Pioneer or Historic. I don't think that this is the type of thing that makes modern uh, spirits relevant again at all. No. Yeah, it's just a lot of mana to like to do something. I mean, what's interesting about these is like the later you can use them, the more the more utility they have, of course, right? right. Like you just dump a bunch of mana, alpha strike type thing. But when you compare this to, let's say, Intrepid Adversary where it's sort of pumping your whole team rather than just getting stuff out of the way for a little bit, then it just seems a lot more useful on the Intrepid Adversary end of things and the Spectral Adversary end of things. Yeah, I mean, given that it has flash, you can flash this in on your opponent's turn and then phase out a couple of creatures that maybe they were going to attack with, and then they don't come back on your turn, and you can also crack back. So there's, there's stuff you can do with timing to make this better without having to have the Aether Vial, but like... Yeah, I don't, I don't know about these. All right, Dave, you've read the other ones. Finish it off with Tainted. Yep. Tainted Adversary. This is a generic and a black. It's a 2-3 death touch zombie. And it says, when Tainted Adversary enters battlefield, it's a generic and a black any number of times. When you pay this cost one or more times, put that many plus one plus one counters on it and create twice that many 2-2 black zombie creature tokens with Decayed. Yeah, Decayed. Yeah. That's the thing that makes the tokens a lot less useful. Yeah. They can't block, and once they attack, they go poof. Exactly. Sacrifice at the end of combat. So this thing can make a lot of tokens, but it does have the more expensive trigger cost. Yeah, that Um, adds up fast. Yeah. I think a 2-3 for one and a black is pretty good rate, really. For zombies. Yeah. Well, and it's got death touch. It blocks well. You can attack into stuff with it. So on its own, it's not a terrible card in, in that way. But I do think that, honestly, I think that the, the blue one and the black one are the worst out of the cycle. Just yeah, in, for in my sure. mind, unless all of a sudden we have a lot of reasons to want to play Zombie Tribal in some format, which I, I don't think we're going to get there yet. But um, I'm much more interested in the, the red, uh, white, and 
green ones personally. Yeah. Like when you compare tainted to primal, it's like, man, they played it safe. Yeah. Where it's like you pay one in the green, any number of times you get that many three, three wolf creatures with haste. You know what I mean? And this is like, yeah, you get a two, two black zombie for two and a black and it can't block. And when it attacks, it's dead. Yeah. So that's definitely, I, I definitely lean much more towards primal adversary than I do tainted. You don't get one. You get two though. Remember, you get twice that many. Oh, twice tokens. that many. So, okay. so actually, okay. for five mana, you get, um, you know, you get seven power. Actually, okay. across three bodies for five mana, it's kind of similar to primal primal adversary in that way. Which you know, if you have a lord out or something, it pumps them a lot. I'm not really trying yeah. to like make this card sound I hate better, this less. but um, it is a little bit of an army in a can. So. Yeah, know. this for five is pretty good. And on again, on two, it's fine. Right. So, yeah, that's it's fine. Yeah. It's going to survive a lot more than Intrepid would. Like, Intrepid is still a 3-1. Yeah. It can get hit with almost anything, you know, a stiff breeze. Yeah. But I think it's got a lot more of a body. Yeah. I think Intrepid is, like, a good, like a good later thing where you're going to, like, try to alpha strike, basically. But I, I think these cards are really cool design. I, I hope that some of them find a home. I you know these were some of the most notable things to me. And clearly, since they're mythic, I think Wizards thinks that they're pretty good too. So, yeah, I think it's a cool it's a cool cycle. I think they're they're fair and balanced, and they're cool. They're kind of cool cool idea, and I like it. So all around, I think it's a cool cycle. Hopefully, some of them see play. Yep. All right, Shane. So I picked five cards. Yeah. So you have to pick the next five cards. Perfect. I'm on it. Let's start. <laughs> right. Let's start with. Ghoul Caller's Harvest. Okay. Bl- black and a green sorcery. Create X 2 2 black zombie creature tokens with decayed. So we're back to those decayed zombie tokens. Or mm-hmm. X is half the number of creature cards in your graveyard rounded up. Has flashback. Three black and a green, which lets you cast it from your graveyard, then exile it. I think this is an interesting card. I think th- the reason that I'm even thinking about it at all is that the rate is good. If you can get some kind of synergy around it, black and a green is a really good rate to make a good number of black, black zombie creature tokens with decay. Yeah. The issue is, is that the flashback is very safe. Three black green. They do not want people using this twice quickly. Right. So I think you have to be able to get enough value the first time you cast it. I feel like the flashback is like, going to be win more potentially but it also just lets lets you like the thing is is that you're not blocking with your decayed zombies so it's not like you're creating this impenetrable wall of chump blockers to then get the flashback part of it you have to have other things going on and so you have to figure out where this card goes in that being able to cast it for i don't know like three or four decayed zombies is going to happen uh and make sense yeah. I mean, the thing that I think about with this is like, for modern anyway, I wonder a little bit if there's a way to like mill all of your deck or most of your deck, cast this early and somehow give them haste for really cheap. Sure. You know, like, is there some kind of combo that we're going to miss with this one where maybe casting its flashback is a, uh, is a fallback, but you have a primary game plan where you really cast like, you know, you make 10 or 12 of these right away. Abzan Rally or something. Well, I'm more thinking like Belcher, you know, like like the, sure, like sure. the Zendikar lands that have creatures on the front and you just, you know, play them as a land if you need to, mill them away if you don't need them, and then kind of go from there. Um, 
So that that was the main thing that crossed my mind with this stuff. I guess those, those are lands on the front, creatures on the back, or vice versa. It's vice versa. They're spells or creatures okay. on the front, and so that's right. Yeah, so that's why they work for something like yeah. Belcher. That's why Belcher works. Yeah, right. Because you just go to your lands. So that that's of course that's the thing that like mills you. So you're not necessarily you can't really work it that way for this, but I feel like there's something missing as far as just making like a zillion zombies. Yeah. My my temptation here is to be like, okay, is this like a sort of side plan, not a sideboard plan, but sort of an alternate game plan for like something like Dredge. But the issue is that this removes your engine. Like it's just one less piece that does anything for your primary engine. So it's like, you don't want to mill this. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't want it in your opening hand even. Yeah. And I was thinking about Dredge with this too, and just kind of going like, are we, you know, isn't just conflagrate just better? Anyway, and it's a similar oh, yeah. idea where like that's your side plan too, and conflagrate gets you out of tight spots and all that kind of stuff. So I thought a little bit like maybe there is a self mill deck in Pioneer or in the those kind of like you know the other formats that people have tried playing Dredge in that don't have Dredge but still have a bunch of payoffs, and so there might this might be a good alternate plan in that kind of deck where it's mm-hmm. like. Um, you know, you got all of your silver smoke ghouls and and your uh, what? What's the uh, the three three? The like three three from last oh. time? Hmm? Prize amalgam? Yeah, prize. Like you got your prize <laughs> amalgam still, and your narc amoeba, and then you have this, and then so it's like a that deck, but not the not fully powered up modern version. Yeah, I mean, I think I think this card is cheap enough to see play, yeah. and I think there there will be people that try to make it a thing. Um, so yeah, cool card. I'm going to keep going, Dave. You gave me five keep to work going. with. Yep. All right. Here's another graveyard synergy card. I mean, this is Innistrad. So there's going to be a few of these willow geist. It's green. It's a tree folk spirit with trample one, one, but, uh, whenever one or more cards leaves your graveyard, you get to put a one, one counter on willow geist. When it dies, you gain life equal to its power. This seems cool and cheap. And too cool and too cheap to not be some kind of thing. Like a lot of cards are leaving graveyards all the time, especially in modern. I've seen people mention like Asmo food decks because of mm-hmm. the recursion loop of Oval Chase Daredevil. Uh, there's a lot of other loopy decks that we've seen many number of times where cheap stuff's coming out of the graveyard. As simple as just a Mistress Bobble and a Luris. I mean, that's not this is not the kind of payoff you're really going for with that, but we do just see this type of thing happening more often than you may think you do. Yeah. I mean, and it's I think interesting. This thing can grow pretty big. It's interesting. I really read this originally as when it leaves your graveyard to go to exile is mm. like the implicit thing that I was thinking about with this. But yeah, I mean, when you think about, Oh, just removing a returning a card to your hand. Uh, yeah. Maybe there's, there's something there. I do. It is kind of a bummer. Maybe it's not really a bummer that it is. Um, it's only each trigger. Mm-hmm. It's not the number of cards that leave the graveyard. So <laughs> if you were to do this with like a delve spell, like with Murktide oh, or something, it's, it's like a like, double delve. Yeah. It would be like, okay, this becomes a five, five and I cast my Murktide region at the same t- kind of, not I'm saying that seems pretty deck, good, Dave. that would be really, really good. So I think it's probably too, too, too much. Um, but it's interesting. And then when it, when it dies, you gain life equal to its it power. It's a pretty cool, like, yeah, exactly. Value thing. Um, I don't know. Maybe this is something that grows in a situation like that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. 
I think I think this will do more than you initially think it does. Like I kind of overlooked it. I was like, well, this is going to be ridiculous. Like maybe this is something. And then you know, someone mentioned the Asmo food combo alone, and I was like, oh yeah, that does get that happens a lot. Like get, you get a little get chase there, <laughs> big pretty fast too. Yeah, in the cards that make sense. To, I mean, excuse me, in the colors that make sense. So yeah. I think that this will this will show up somewhere. I mean, even another thing that happened that this could play with is um the cat cauldron familiar like it oh, could just yeah. you know that's something that bounces back and forth between play all the time it sure does so yeah all right um sunset revelry okay one in a white for a sorcery my kind of card if a, if an opponent has more life than you you gain four life if an opponent controls more creatures than you create two one one white human creature tokens if an opponent has more cards in hand than you draw a card how could they do this to timely reinforcements? That's well, what I want to like know. A, it's like a mini timely. It's like two thirds of timely, right? Yeah, but timely doesn't draw you cards. <laughs> this I, replaces I to, itself. Well, I do have to admit, I don't think this is going to draw that many cards against the decks that you will sideboard this in against. Yeah, if, maybe like, if you're a control deck against an aggro deck, it's going to be hard to be behind on card or behind on yeah. cards in hand. You think? That's my thought. Mm. But I think that this is a good card. I think the third part which may be perhaps the best part about it, that it can replace itself is like the least, the least easy to enable, but that just might be gravy. Like the first two parts alone for one and a white are pretty good. You got to draw cards with it though. Cause otherwise you would just play timely reinforcements. Well, timely is three. This is two, right? That's true. <laughs> also, I mean, is timely in, is timely in historic? I think it's in historic. Let me check. I think really it is quickly. right. Yeah. Let's do that thing you do where you know type live on the air. Timely reinforcements is legal and historic. It's not. I did not think it was in Pioneer. It's not in Pioneer. Um, okay. And it, I don't know. It's you fine. Got, you it's gotta, a fine card. You got to draw cards with this card. I think. I think that. Do you think you draw cards with this a third of the time? Do you think you draw cards with it <sighs> less than that? Man, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm gonna think. I think. Yeah, maybe. Let's just say a quarter of the time, even. Like when you're gonna sideboard this in against very aggressive decks, they're gonna spew their hand. I just don't know how often you're gonna have access to the draw card thing. So I'm. I mean, I'm not saying this is like some new game breaker. I'm not saying this is a new perfect anti-aggro sideboard card. I'm saying it's a thing that costs one and a white and does nice things for you. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I think it's good. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna do one more, Dave. Let's Please, one more. Do them all. Okay. Meat Hook Massacre. Scroll down a bit. Okay, this is a weird one. I, I like this one. I was surprised to see you put this on the on the list, I gotta be honest. Well, the more I kept looking at it, the more I was like, this is an interesting card. Because because of this, because of the casting cost, XBB for a legendary enchantment. Mm-hmm. When Meat Hook Massacre, the Meat Hook Massacre, because it's legendary, when an ETBs. Each creature gets minus X, minus X until end of turn. So you cast it for two black, black. Each creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. There's also two more lines of text. Then, it's just this is the static part of the enchantment. Whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life. Whenever a creature an opponent opponent controls dies, you gain one life. So this is pretty neat because it does something on ETB, and then it sticks around to do some more stuff. I'm not sure... The rate is good enough for the wrathing type thing. But what I do find interesting is that it can be cast for X equals zero for just black, black. 
Mm-hmm. And then it gives these sack engine decks a way to kill their opponent. You just have a permanent a bl- a blood artist effect, basically. Yes. You have another cheap blood artist effect. That you that can't interact can, with very well because it's an enchantment. Yeah. Yeah. So like it, it works with like Vesper Lark because it comes down on a turn when I don't think Vesper Lark needs to do anything else typically. And so I think that that is a perfectly good way to, uh, to do it. Also, well, here's a good question. If each creature gets minus X, okay, no, once, once Vesper Lark goes into the graveyard, it's, it's not like a Davriel's withering. If once de- once it would not work for the combo instantly. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But in a tokeny kind of build, you know, you could mm-hmm. spend a bunch of time making tokens and then cast this for one BB, kill all your tokens and do 10 damage to your opponent. Just like yeah. that. Like, I it's mean, cheap. it is it's really interesting cheap. and cheap. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there, you're probably right that there's something, something to this card. Like, I mean, is there any, there's no enchantment even close to this cost in like the, the newer formats that makes the opponent lose a life when it, when you have a creature you control die, right? That could be cast for just two mana. Um, I did not look into this, but I probably, don't I mean, think probably so. maybe a creature, like not, but a non-creature permanent. I don't think anything like that exists. Turtle power is saying that bastion of remembrance is the closest, which is two in a black. Right. And then whenever a creature you control dies, you get a true blood artist effect. Opponent loses a life. You gain a life. Yeah. But this so, wraths yeah. too. Yeah. It wraths. <laughs> it's, it's one cheaper. It's just, and one cheaper is a big deal when you're trying to set up a combo. Sure. Yeah. I think this card is really good. Cool. Now, that you, now that you talk about it, I'm, I'm buying what you're saying. No, man, I love it. I convinced Dave. So Dave, I've, I've picked some cards. Okay. You p- you pick some cards, my friend. Do you want to go? Are you interested do in? you want to go weird, or do you want to go go oh, I love uh, weird, big first? Big and weird slash important. Okay. Well, Stan's not here this week, so we we don't have any big and weird. <laughs> what are you thinking? What um, are you thinking's big? All right, here's what I'm thinking about. Is I think the card that we should talk about for a minute is, uh, so there's all this wild removal in this set, right? Like there's yeah. um the black of three different black removal spells we talked about one last week i want to talk about fateful absence which is one and a white for an instant that says destroy target creature or planeswalker and its controller investigates i hate it you know yeah i think that this card is actually pretty huge because Okay. okay i think that so white slash blue base control decks have always been really they don't really have a way to deal with resolved planeswalkers. And now suddenly, unless I'm, you know, unless I'm forgetting something right now, and now suddenly they, like, bounce, they have bounce something. Bounce is the best they get. Like, I, I think so, right? Like to bounce, bounce that out of the way. I think that this card being two mana for an instant, even with the fact that it investigates, is giant. Um, you know, for yeah. them to be able to deal with things that, for example, Celestial Purge doesn't touch, and maybe this is a b- card that's easier to run main deck than Celestial Purges out of out of the sideboard for a deck like that, for example. Um, I think having access to this in Blue White or Jeskai Control Shells could be really, really big, both in Historic and maybe even in Modern. I, I mean, mm. I'm a little sketched out by it, but just like having that tool... Uh, tool available to you feels like a very new thing to me yeah i i think more and i'm leaning much more towards like historic power level here because like you mentioned when you when i saw you write this note here 
because I have been thinking about this card since it's been spoiled, right? And I saw you say, you know, dealing dealing with the resolve planeswalker is huge, and I think it is huge for something like Jeskai or Blue White in historic, because one of the cards that I love resolving more than anything is like a Chandra Four, for example, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. you resolve a Chandra Four, and they're sort of really hoping that they get like some kind of raisin bower effect or something like that. Or one of their, I think some, a few of their enchantments I think can handle a planeswalker. Right. I mean, think about Chandra six that people play sometimes in in certain formats. That's like the one that can't be countered. It's like, Oh, I have this now instead. I mean, this is definitely a thing. The fact that it's an instant, the fact that it costs two mana, all that stuff is pretty good. But then the investigation is an issue. Because that's what holds back cards, I think, like Declaration and Stone, but that's also a sorcery. I think, I think honestly, that that's what holds back Declaration and Stone more than anything else is the fact that it's a sorcery. Like, also, I mean, I don't think that that doesn't hit Planeswalkers, does it? No, it only hits creatures. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, that's and, a big thing too. So. Yeah, it does that thing where it gets rid of multiples of creatures if if you want to, which yeah, is which occasionally is like, handy, but it's, it's never as good as you think it's going to be. No, I mean, absolutely. it's good when it works, but it's not anything that's ever going to. It's it's rarely game breaking. Yeah, but I, I honestly think that Declaration has been held back by a for a long time because of the sorcery part of it. And this, you know, this is an instant and it has planeswalkers too. I f- kind of feel like this might now the big problem with modern, of course, that is that modern has prismatic ending. And so you're very disincentivized to play this card because of prismatic ending. So maybe this is kind of yeah. your historic pioneer kind of spell, but it seems really good to me. Yeah. And another issue is that unlike a lot of white removal, it does not exile. Right. And the the graveyard is a place where a lot of people uh, get a lot of card advantage and recursion engines. So not exiling is a pain in the butt yeah. sometimes. Well, you can't have it all. <laughs> you can't have it all unless you have prismatic ending, and then you do get it all. That's true. Although prismatic doesn't exile, right? Oh yeah, it does. Am I out of yeah, my mind? Card, the, oh, it does. That card's broken. The card's broken. Amazing card. Why am I forgetting? How? Yeah, it sure does. Wow. Even better because than I, mean, I thought. Because, you know, well, because, yeah, the, the main thing is, is like it doesn't matter for Dexiles because 90% of the time it's just so efficient and awesome. And you're like, well, that was good enough. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even care. What's coming back? Nothing. All right. So we just talked, a card that, talked about a card that I think is probably good in Blue White or Jeskai Control in Historic or Pioneer. Let's talk about a weird card that I think might have a space in the same deck. Where are we going, Dave? This is a card. This is a card that I think you're going to hate, but. It's called Light Up the Night, and it is... <laughs> Light Up the Night! Yes. Yeah. Um, it is X and a red for a sorcery that says Light Up the Night deals X damage to any target. It deals X plus one damage instead if that target is a creature or planeswalker. So interestingly enough, it deals one damage for one mana if you want to do that. But the thing that I'm intrigued about with this is that it says flashback, three generic and a red, remove X loyalty counters from among planeswalkers you control. If you cast this spell this way, X can't be zero. You may cast this card, blah, 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 blah. So welcome to your terrible, uh, what's the card you mentioned earlier? Uh, Conflagrate. Here's your bad conflagrate. This is a bad conflagrate especially if you were going to try to play it in dredge, which of course you wouldn't do. But I do think that this card is probably super terrible, but in a deck like Jeskai control and historic where they have a bunch of planeswalkers and you get to ferry out, you get to ferry up to seven loyalty. You get Narset out who you can't plus, but maybe you're sitting there with Narset for a while. You know, you, you have planeswalkers in that deck 
is there any chance that this deck, I mean, this is like good fodder to discard to something like uh, Faithful Mending, if you were going to play Faithful Mending in that deck, or to discard it's Planeswalker to, Fling, Dave. Yeah. It is kind of Planeswalker <laughs> Fling, but it's flashback Planeswalker Fling. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Planeswalker Fling that you can cast from your graveyard at some point. Yeah. So, and I think that because the mana cost is not X and a red, you can also leave up a counter spell when you're doing this and maybe have it do like eight damage to somebody. I don't know. Like, this is me looking at something very, very hopefully. It's almost definitely terrible, but I feel like it's an interesting little threat to put in a deck like that because it really says that people can't tap out against you if it's sitting there in your graveyard. Because you're just like, oh, I'm just going to kill you. I'm not going to grind you a bunch of turns. You know, I'm not going to continue to get incremental uh, advantage from my planeswalkers while I, I don't know you know, find a, a slower condition to kill you with. I'm just going to kill you for four mana. If you, if you let your shield down and put your shields down at all. Yeah. It's the front, the front side is not great. No. Or like the, the initial casting cost, at least not the, it's not, it's not a flip card, but like you said, is like, this is a card that you want in your graveyard and you want to have a planeswalker. The problem is, is, of course, that the the floor here is pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Either either for its initial casting cost, not great, or if you just never have a planeswalker that you want to use as fling fodder for light up the night. Right. I don't know. I think. I mean, I think it's cool. Like, I think it's another cool designed card. It's an interesting finishing option for a deck that may not have a you know a whole ton of them. So I feel like it's like a spicy one of. You know, that sure. you that you have in your deck in your Magma Opus deck where you're like, okay, maybe sometimes I make an elemental and I draw cards and I uh, you know, do four damage to you, and maybe sometimes I just do eight damage to you. Like but. like imagine this in like some funny Nihiri deck, right? And they're like and your your opponent's like, Well, I exiled all your Emrakuls. And then you're like, Well, I also have Light of the Night. Right. And my, my Nahiri gets pretty big pretty fast. I mean, this is not like tier one deck building or anything like right. that, but it's just like another option for walkers that can get a good amount of loyalty pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. The Jeskai control list right now, I'm just looking to see what their list is. They really only play Teferi. So you definitely have to be in on the like, I'm, I have three or four different planeswalkers in my deck that I, that I play with, I think, to make this card even under consideration for something but we have seen decks like that before in a bunch of different formats including pioneer and historic both so yeah. i don't know i thought it was a cool card that i hadn't heard anybody talk about so yeah i think this is a sneaky set like i think there's a lot of interesting role players here i don't think there's a lot of you know this is not modern horizons 2 where it's just like there's a ton of cards that are obviously amazing right this is a standard set and i think there's a lot of cool cards that people can think about how it actually fits into a deck or a new deck or something that they just want to mess with. And I think that's cool. Yep, absolutely. All right. Why don't you, why don't you pick one? All right. Speaking of a card that I don't think blows anything open, but I think is going to be around maybe is turn the earth, which is a green instant. And you choose up to three target cards in graveyards the owners of those cards shuffle them into their libraries and you gain two life Mm -hmm. and you flash this back for one in the green. I think this card is okay. It seems okay. It's, it's cheap and you can, you can blow out like a reclamation target in a pinch. Uh, The flashback is what I think makes this card 
unplayable because it makes it really hard for the opponent to just try again later. Like one of the things that like a reanim- like I've been playing a lot of reanimator. That's like okay, I got through the first one. Let's get through the second one, right? Or like I mean, you got I got through your your piece of your soul guide lantern or your relic or whatever, and my deck is designed to do this again. So I'll just do this again. Yep. If someone casts turn the earth, if someone sideboards in turn the earth against me, and then they just sort of sit on this in their graveyard, it's like, well, poop, this is, this is a lot. Like I, I need to figure out how I'm going to get around this thing. Like what's my side, what's my, what's my sideboard plan to not have to use my graveyard look like. Yeah. I, so Mickey, uh, turtle power just put in the chat that, uh, a reminder about a card called memories journey from the original Innistrad that is target player shuffles up to three target cards from their graveyard into their library flashback green, which is really close yeah, it costs card, one in the, costs right? one in the blue to go f- to go on the flip side, but the the flashback's more expensive, and memory's journey is the other way around. Yeah, and this but this is all green. Yep. So it gives you know certain color combinations or mono green. It gives them the option to just say, "Hey, uh, I have some instant speed graveyard protection." You can even target your own stuff if you so choose. Mm-hmm. Like one of the one of the issues. I mean, this is of course not going to be something that is going to go into mono green Tron sideboards immediately. But let's just say you had a 30 card sideboard. This protects you against something like surgical on your Urza's tower or mm-hmm. something like that. It's just the kind of thing where you can protect your own stuff. You can target your opponent's stuff. It's flexible. It's cheap. It's one color. Uh, it's, it's pretty easy to use. Yeah. My, I, I kind of feel like this is just like a zillion times worse than cling to dust when I'm thinking about like instant speed graveyard hate, just because the upside from cleaning dust is so good, like being able to draw a card, but Oh yeah. I might, you know, I might be wrong, wrong here. This, this is green. Yeah. It's green. It is green. I mean, it's like, it's like the kind of thing like, you know, what loam shaman did, but right. this is the instant speed green spell. That's true. All right. Yeah. Maybe it's a tool in the, in the, the fight to either destroy a graveyard or protect a graveyard. It's just a thing. It's yep. a thing that I think is worth considering because it's so cheap and has flashback. So it does it twice. Yep. That totally makes sense. All right. So I have a card that I think is just the thing. Yeah. Lunark Veteran. I like this card. So the Lunark Veteran is a card with Disturb. It costs a single white. It's a human cleric 1-1. One, one, and it says, whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain one life. So it's a kind of nerfed Soul Warden. Right, but there's not a lot of soul wardens, right? There are not a lot of soul wardens, especially if you look at just that text for one mana. It's very, very few. There's a green soul warden in modern. There's a white soul warden in modern. Then there's some other two two mana ones. So this one being a single mana is actually pretty, pretty big. I think now I I don't think that there's any kind of soul sisteries kind of thing going on with this with for you know to like bring that back in modern but i do think as far as a piece goes for um sorry for historic you know there's a life gain deck in historic that's super popular and i think that having between between five and eight soul wardens is probably a thing that would be good in either angels or this deck or in the life gain deck maybe more so in the life gain deck you know but i do think there's some space in angels to get to get another kind of turn one play like this yeah, rule of um, eight, man. If I yeah. if I could play if I could play Llanowar Elves and Elvish Mystic, I'd do it. 
Yeah, and the other thing is, this is the only one mana one in Pioneer that I could that I could find when I was doing Scryfall research. Oh, yeah, I might have Soul forgotten Warden something. is a historic anthology thing, right? It's a historic and modern card. It is not a Pioneer card. And so if you wanted to try to build angels in Pioneer, you know, and felt like you were missing out on that turn one play, you now have this to be able to make it a bit closer to the historic deck that's really pretty good. You know, and lots of people I know have done done well with Celestia Angels a number of times and you get that much closer to be able to do it and do it well in Pioneer now too. So like you said, rule of eight in a couple of formats that we didn't have access to eight and maybe in modern, there's some reason you would want to be able to have eight of these in a white deck, but I think that the days of that type of deck are well gone in modern, but you got eight of them now if you want them. I didn't even read the flip side of this. The flip side of the card is, you know, if you pay a generic and a white for disturb, you get a 1-1 flyer that says, whenever another creature you control leaves the battlefield, you gain one life. You know, that doesn't seem as useful, but yeah. uh, maybe. Maybe maybe, maybe you want the backside for some reason, or maybe it's just worth it to have a 1-1 flyer at that point. But the front side of this card, I think, is pretty pretty big. Yeah, and what's what's the the strip cost is cheap too it's just like hey why not it's like it's it's a it's a free extra piece of you know a flying creature that could be buffed by other things it's 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 a perfectly fine card i think as a one one for one that has a soul warden effect so that alone this deck is eternally played on arena yeah. people have people have played white based life gain decks as long as I've been playing the, the dang software. So they love it. It's a good entry level deck. This is a common, you know, I think it all I think it could be helpful for sure. Yeah. There's so many spell there's so many spells and creatures in this format that are just efficiently costed and that makes them interesting. And Dave, one of the ones I'm gonna mention right here is only a single blue mana. Okay. You know I love okay. cards that are single blue mana. But it's, you it's even it's even better than this, okay? I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the text and then I'll give you the card name. It's a human wizard. It's a one one. And at the beginning it got of your, me so far. <laughs> at the beginning of your upkeep, it can be an is it wizards. At the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. You may you may reveal that card. If it's an instant or sorcery, you transform Delver of Secrets. And yeah. it becomes it becomes insight insectile aberration, which is a flying human insect three two. Okay, but Delver is now legal in Pioneer. It's now legal in Historic. We've never really seen Delver be amazing in Modern, at least for the past, what, like six years? Um, yeah. I'm unsure he's going to be amazing in these formats either. It, it seems like, for me, it seems like the cantrips are the issue um, because it's Ponder and Preordain that I think part of the reason to make Delver so good, right? Well, you only play one of them for what it's worth. So I, I did take a little bit of a look at... Like what Legacy Delver looks like? Yeah, what Legacy Delver looks like. I also... You know, the thing that, that's interesting about Delver is that it was really good in Standard, too. Like, it was a very good and very real Standard deck. And... Um, well, it was until some stuff got rotated out, right? And then Delver was just bad. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's fair, too. Well, and also... Um, but that was mostly towards the end of, of when it was there. I oh believe. yeah, like it, it it had a it had its day in the sun. Yeah. The the 
interesting thing is if you take a look at the stand, so the legacy Delver is one thing people su- are super interested in it. Legacy has powerful cantrips. It has force of negate or force of will and stuff like that. And it's going to be pitched to force of will importantly as well. Yeah. I wanted to take a look at the standard one because I was like, what made the standard deck good? Yeah. And so here's what was in the standard deck for Delver. So this is from, I pulled this list just so everybody knows from a flashback gauntlet that was hosted on magic online uh, covering September 2011 to August 2013, so two years when Innistrad was legal. Man, whenever whenever this stuff happens, I look at just like, what a different world I know. of cards. So Delver Secrets was in. It was a four of. There were two Invisible Stalkers, if you remember. That's a hexproof, oh, can't-be-blocked card that's uh, two CMC for a 1-1. One, one. It's a human. There were four Snapcaster Mage, four Geist of St. Traft, and four Dungeon Geist in this deck. Ponder was also legal and standard at the time, so there was Ponder. Thought Scour was legal at the time, so there was Thought Scour, Vapor Snag, Gut Shot, Mutagenic Growth. Those Mana were three leak. Gut Shots, one Mutagenic Growth, Mana Leak, and Rune Chanter's Pike. So it was blue-white Delver, essentially, was what, what these decks were. Um, it's It's interesting. Like I feel like you could get to a deck that is quite a bit like this deck in in historic i mean this is only 20 instant sorceries yep it's not that impressive you know if you put this together with consider instead of thought scour and something else instead you know i don't know if we're still running an opt like some of the stuff that's popular in you know the the dragon's rage channeler decks right now i feel like you could just add this to that deck and have it potentially work in in historic as like a, a cool tempo deck. I mean, you can play memory lapse instead of mana leak, which is pretty good too. Um, you don't get the free spells of course, but I don't know. I feel like there's some space there. I feel like there's some space for it also maybe to be good in pioneer, but the spells are quite a bit less, less, uh, power efficient. Well, except for the fact that pioneer has treasure cruise. And so, yeah. you know, you, you get to do like treasure cruise Delver, which of course was something that totally broke standard or not standard, totally broke modern at modern, one point yeah. in time. So I feel like adding Delver to those two formats actually could be pretty cool and fun and be really different from what's happened to Delver in modern. As long as we don't try to make it into a legacy deck and you know, the legacy deck kind of looks a lot like what the, the other decks look like. It's just way better way better spells. So what do you think? I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just like the least qualified person to evaluate Del- Delver and what makes Delver good. I think the most interesting thing about Delver is to me in terms of just like seat of the pants evaluation is we have had a history of pretty decent blue based tempo decks on arena and Delver is a really good one um, because it just fits into the style of deck that is it fits into the number of instants and sorceries uh that this deck is going to have access to i mean that's going to play and have access to uh and then beyond that we have our is it decks we have the addition of the historic horizons cards like you said of like drc and and other like hyper efficient is it type things so i think that much like uh, death shadow people seem to never ever want to stop casting Delver of secrets when they can. Mm-hmm. So I I'm sure that I will see a Delver of secrets and then I'll just, I'll cast stomp on it and then, <laughs> and then <laughs> I'll go on with your stopped. day. It's a, it'll be like literally like stepping on a bug. So maybe you're just casting a unho- unholy heat on it though. Since that, that has some play too these days. 
I mean, I, I think I'm excited to play around with this on arena. Like that could be, that could be cool. Yeah. It's a cool card. Um, another one that's, I'm glad they brought it back. People were expecting for a little bit more in terms of the, the Mara was dropping hints on like, Hey, a much loved card out of Innistrad is coming back. And it was like, Snapcaster, Liliana. No, you get your uncommon Delver. Well, that seems like a good card to put into a standard set though. Honestly, especially when you look at the other cards that were in that, that Delver deck in standard, like look at all the, 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 uh, modern stalwarts that were in that list. Oh yeah, it's bonkers. That yeah. was a very powerful time. Absolutely. What do you got for me, Dave? I let's see. What's a card that I like? All right, let's do a weird one. I mean, they're all weird. This is Innistrad. This is Innistrad. All right, the one that I wanted to talk about is Secrets of the Key. It's an instant. It costs a single blue. We'll just stick with single blue cards. Yeah. Uh, and all it says is investigate. Okay. And then it says, if this spell was cast from a graveyard, investigate twice instead. And has flashback, three generic, and a blue. I'm glad it has flashback. Otherwise, I've been pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's just draw a card, but pay two extra mana to draw a card. I, I, the only reason I wanted to mention this card is that I feel like this card fits pretty well into the Jeskai creativity decks that are popular in Historic, or at least were popular in Historic. We'll see what happens after, Before this, after weekend. this weekend. But... Um, and the reason is that it's a super cheap way that is not a hit off of creativity to make an artifact token, which is the better token, I think, to get in um, those Jeskai creativity decks than getting the dwarf off of the uh, dwarven mine, basically. Because you can't try to um, interact with the, the artifacts anywhere near as easily as you can with the creatures. So... That's yeah. the whole thing, I think. And then later <laughs> on, maybe you cast it with flashback and you get two tokens and maybe one of them you sack to creativity and another one you use to draw a card. But I, I don't think that that deck is really trying to go into the late game quite like that. I just think this is a good another good combo piece that makes your opener, opening hands even better there. Yeah. The thing that confuses me about the deck, and I, and I think perhaps the reason that they play that crab investigate card is because the crab is an O three, right? Like, couldn't they just play Thraben inspector and they would get two pieces of cardboard? No. Once again, Thraben inspector is a hit off of creativity. So you can't play, uh, you can't do that. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. Okay. No problem. So, yeah. So I think that this sort of is not as good for the deck, of course, but it's just another piece of tech that it's like, okay, for it's one mana. Mm-hmm. So it's worth considering. But the f- the floor that the deck incorporates right now, at least what I would consider the floor, is the Crab Vestigate spell, right? Where it's like, okay, I get an O3 and I get a piece of cardboard that I get to sacrifice later for one mana. This gets me... So that's two things. This is... Or it gets you like one thing for zero mana in that deck. You get the land drop from, you, from Dwarven Mine comes right. into play, right. right? This is one thing for one mana, but potentially for three and a blue, you get another thing. So it's like, is this efficient enough for what this deck is trying to do? Is it worth the card in the deck? I'm not sure because I have zero reps with this deck. But it, like you said, it's it's uh, something that doesn't hit off of creativity and therefore and makes a piece of cardboard for an instant blue mana. Yeah. So. And here's a few cards that you could consider 
cutting because i don't think there's another card that's an instant that puts an artifact into play like this one that's available so it's it's new and it's it's that rule of eight thing with hard evidence so a couple of cards that you might consider cutting if you wanted to play a more all-in combo version of this you might consider cutting i mean again i'm not an expert with this deck either but the deck runs fire prophecy right now like maybe you just want to run another thing that puts a token into play instead uh mm -hmm. it runs mm -hmm. you know lightning helix is a very good card but maybe you decide you don't really want removal in in this deck anymore and you'd rather just have you'd rather just have something that helps you get to your combo instead and so maybe you cut lightning helix maybe you know it runs anger of the gods in the main right now maybe you just put those in the sideboard so i do think that yeah. there's some space in this deck like the deck runs two search for his content like that's great for value. It does help you dig. It helps you get to creativity if you need to later. Is that fast enough? Can you can you go faster if you do it this way? I don't know. Yeah. Dave, I've got one more. One single more blue. single blue mana. Okay, okay, and this is probably bad. It's also an instant. It's Otherworldly Gaze. Yeah. It's a blue instant. Look at the top three cards of your library. Put any number of them into your graveyard. Put the rest back on top of your library in any order. Shane, that sounds amazing. Oh, it doesn't say draw a card. Yeah. But you, you also get the flashes <laughs> back for one in the blue, uh, which lets you, of course, cast it again. This is, it just doesn't have the three magic words, right? It doesn't have draw a card. It doesn't have win the game yeah, either. That seems like a lot to ask, though. It's very close to a card. In my mind, it's very close to a card that already exists that was sort of formative for me in understanding that experience, which is Tygim's Scheming, which oh, yeah. is from Cons. Cons. And lets you, it's a generic and a blue. It lets you look at five cards and put as many of those as you would like into your into your graveyard. So the idea there was that it would help you fuel Delve. Delve, basically. Yeah. Sultai spell. Yeah, Sultai spell. And uh, it was bad. It was really bad. And oh, yeah, it doesn't the, do anything. The reason is it doesn't do anything. And so I think even giving this flashback, even making this one mana, I just don't think that this is a card that yeah. you want. How, how, how to keep it as a mage busy. Yeah. Yeah, that is kind of what this is. <laughs> um, yeah, unfortunately, I think this single blue card is a no-go. Yeah, it just doesn't draw a card. Um, and also, like, I've actually seen people say, like, does this dredge? And it's like, no. And uh, and here, I'm not, and, and to not just be flippant, here's why it doesn't dredge, okay? Like, when you think about a card like this, there's no reason you'd play this over Shriekhorn because dredge is just a numbers game. And Shriekhorn puts more cards in the graveyard for one mana. Mm -hmm. okay and like something like is, is it phoenix i don't see how they want this card anywhere because it's not drawing you cards that's why like it's just yeah. it's just spinning wheels and you can't spin wheels you have to get through your deck and you have to be able to do more like you have to be able to keep top decking stuff and keep digging and just setting up future turns like we don't that's just a it's this is a tempo nightmare card i think yep yeah, I mean it's 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 really bad. It's amazing. This is one of those things that's just like check out the difference between a card that is totally broken and a card that is unplayable. It's <laughs> it's just draw draw a card is missing from this. If this said draw a card on it, this would be the best cantrip that's come out for blue in I don't know ten years. Yeah, like probably. a flashbackable like preordained style card. Yeah, exactly. That that also fuels your graveyard. It would be un unreal good. Um, but yeah, like this, you just can't do it. Dave, there's, there's a lot of cool cards left. Just like, I mean, I'm, like, I'm going to keep saying this. Like, as the set kept getting spoiled, I kept just being like, cool, cool card, cool card. M Malevolent Hermit is a cool card. It's also blue, weirdly. Yeah. One in the blue. Yes, yes. 
for a human wizard. Again, it's another wizard that's blue for your Is It Wizard deck, Dave. You can pay blue, sacrifice Malevolent Hermit. You can counter a target non-creature spell, unless it's a controller, pays three mana. Whoa. It's a 2-1. It also has a Disturb cost, two and a blue, which Disturb, if you forget, you can cast it from your graveyard, Transformed, and the Transformed side is Benevolent Geist. Spooky! It's a, it's a blue wizard. It's a spirit wizard with flying. Non-creature spells you control can't be countered. And if Benevolent Geist would be put into a graveyard from anywhere, I XL, it's, that's the that's usual. That's the Disturb Clause. It's the Disturb Clause for yeah. a 2-2 two, two flyer. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. I feel like the biggest knock against it is one in the blue, because you typically kind of get this effect in your... Um, What's that? What's that single blue mana spirit, Dave? Mausoleum Wanderer. Yeah, Mausoleum Wanderer. Yes, exactly. Yeah, this card's no Mausoleum Wanderer, but I think it's very good still. And I think that the big thing about it is, you know, you're almost never going to get any value off the backside because you're not really playing this card. So this card does. Uh, this card is yet another card that doesn't make spirits good uh, in modern. Just so we're all clear, this also is. Um, I think not a card that would make you want to suddenly decide that I'm going to play um, Collected Company in my Spirits deck in Historic, which is not something that people do very much um, on that platform. However, I do think that having a counter-target non-creature spell on the board is a pretty threatening thing to stave off removal or, or do whatever, you know, it, it's an interesting nuance in the way that like it helps you against combo decks. Like it can help you against a creativity style deck, you know, making them have to kill this before they can combo off. It also helps you against removal decks of, as well. Of course, mm-hmm. if you, if they try to use this to, to like get rid of your Lord or something like that. So I think this is the thing that's the most interesting thing about this card is that, I feel like it could be good in a historic uh, spirits shell because it's on color for mono blue, which is where that deck has gone to a lot of times in in my mind. Um, Yeah. The mono blue deck is kind of the best version of it, I think. Um, And it has, when you flip it over, you know, you get to counter spell and then you get to bring a spirit back. It has flying. You get to pump it with Lords. I think those are all, all good things. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, this does open up some cool play patterns, right? Where it's like, you know, cast this early, counter that non, non that target non creature spell with it's a huge mana attack, and then your opponent's like, well, then I've got to deal with them disturbing it back, and then if you're in a heavy blue deck, you can probably run some counter magic, and then you basically have an uncounterable counter spell mm-hmm. at your disposal because it's like they they can't counter your counters, yeah, or they so, just sit and wait until until the mana yeah. leak doesn't matter but then it's also just like you you got them to wait wait a couple of turns and you're just killing them probably so no i mean like on the benevolent geist side like oh, on the right. flip side yeah yeah that that static text goes really well with like other spells you're going to be playing yeah I so don't it's like they you, can't even counter your counter yeah you probably have like eight of them right yeah and so you're right you can't counter them you probably have eight, eight counter spells i guess in in the deck you have you have lofty denial and you might have uh, one other one, but um, yeah, I guess you would play memory lapse these days in the deck for sure. There's no oh, reason yeah. not to. So maybe you would have enough to make it so that you win, cre- you win counter battles all the time. But I do think that's annoying. Yeah, you know? I think this is a really cool card that will be good in a deck that is like 
very medium right now. You know, it's funny, Dave, is I thought that was one of my cards. That was actually one of your cards. It was. And uh, so you read one of mine. Read the one above it, Dave. Well, I'm going to read, I'm actually going to read another spirit because Fine. I think that what Fine. we should read do is spirits. talk about the other card that is not going to bring spirits spirit block. back to. Uh, to modern either, which is Patrician Geist, two generic and a blue for a spirit knight flying. Other spirits you control get plus one, plus one. Spells you cast from your graveyard cost one less to cast. Hey, we just looked at one that would, would interact with this. Mm, uh, and combo. it's a two-two flyer. So obviously, again, this card doesn't rate in a world where we have Diagraph Captain or whatever. Um, well, that's not what it's called. What's the lord, the hexproof lord? Drogskull. Drogskull captain, yeah. So Drogskull captain just destroys this. And of course, Supreme Phantom is better than this card as well. You're probably not going to play 12 lords in modern. Again, this is enough to make, I don't think this is enough to make spirits uh, relevant in modern, though I could be wrong. Um, it's bigger, much bigger for the mono blue deck that we were just talking about a minute ago. And I think there, you do want another lord. You know, it makes you able to get away from the blue white decks. The blue-white decks, which are, are good with um, Empyrean Eagle as as the other lord that gives... Um, oh, yeah, and, the, and that owl. The owl. Oh, the the, uh, the, uh, the owl that has the, the casting the, cost the wizard. reducer, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Dave, let's, I want to go back. I want to go back to that episode and remind people that I was high on that card. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, that card's bad. And I was like, nope. And then it has turned out to be very good. It has always it has stuck around and been good. So trust me. It has been pretty good. What do you think about this card, though? You put this one in the in the file for us to talk about, and then you wrote below it, probably bad, almost certainly bad. Why'd you put it oh, in man, here? Oh, man, you're my hand. I mean, here's the thing. Spells you cast from your graveyard cost one less to cast is pretty cool. The problem is you have to have the spells to do so. So it's looking at the whole file, looking at what you have available to you, and what could go into a deck like this that would make it worthwhile. And then the Lord effect is cool. Uh... I mean, maybe it's not as bad as I think. And, you know, it's it's another piece of tech that I think goes into this whole thing. I do love it with the card we talked about, you know, just before. I do love it with uh, Malevolent Hermit. I think mm-hmm. that's a cool little combo. Is yeah, it going to be tier one? No. I mean, it, it, I mean, you never know what's going to take a tempo deck like that and put it over the the edge. It could just line up really well at some point. You know, there's 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 lots of moments where decks like this suddenly get good. Flying is the, one of the best abilities still, and having a bunch of lords yeah. that make flyers bigger is really good. It's just like it's not totally new because we have Empyrean Eagle, which has been doing a good kind of impression of the three mana lord that you would want in these decks. And so making it single color, I think, is helpful. The other abilities mostly trinket text. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, tempo is just a game of small edges, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like tempo is is one mana here, one mana there, one one instant speed interaction, one half turn, one thing you do on your opponent then step. And maybe that one mana from the graveyard cost is enough. You know, who knows? We'll see. Yeah, I'm just doing a double check to see if there are any other lords hanging out, and I don't think there are other ones that are in this <laughs> casting cost consideration. Hanging out down like the spirits bar. Yeah, yeah. So good. Suspicious stowaway. This is the card I was I thought I was talking about. Okay, right. This is this is the one in the blue human rogue werewolf. It cannot be blocked. It's roguish. Right. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you draw a card, then discard a card. So you get a uh, loot. Merefolk, were, werefolk looter. Werefolk looter, um, okay. 
Yeah, uh, it has Daybound, so it's the you know the new werewolf thing. It's a one-one. So you know you get your own little sort of blighted agent type thing that that loots. Uh, the flip side is Seafaring Werewolf is green. It cannot be blocked either. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you draw a card. You don't discard a card. <laughs> this is the weirdest flavor for a card ever. It's Why a, is that? Oh, it's a werewolf on a boat. <laughs> I'm on a the boat, is very specific. How werewolf on a boat? Yeah, you like my, you like that? That was that was really bad. That was good. That that's was like good. that's my mo. Everybody knows Warren Zevon, so they were very they were very excited for that callback. Sure. Where where do you it's think this card might looter. go? Where do you think it might doesn't go? Doesn't matter. Though? Doesn't matter. It, it's, this is okay. Hold on. So we we have a friend. Okay, a Chicago friend. I'm not, I'm not even going to put him on blast here, but he loves drawing cards. All right, and like we have this sort of in joke. That's me, though. We have this. Well, yeah, you're right. Okay, we have we have another friend. He loves drawing cards with rogues. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and the joke that I have made with him is just like, well, you're, yeah, you're drawing cards, but you're not winning the game. He's like Shane, I'm drawing cards. <laughs> that, that's this is all I need to do. I mean, that's so that's how is, I feel too. <laughs> so this is this is a card that will draw cards. Uh, and it could be in any kind of like it could be in a deck that's pumping things. I mean, werewolf is going to be a thing, and this is a werewolf that draws cards. So why not? Mm-hmm. Especially if like as it gets to the nightbound side, which will be a thing that werewolves are trying to do. And so yeah, it's a good rate. I I always never know what to think about like card flipping stuff because I, I it seems annoyingly hard to control in my experience at least, but my experience is not deep. Yeah, I think this card is great and limited. That's that's what I think about this card, and that I don't I don't think it rates for historic for anything unless we're making it bigger, or rate, rates for constructed for me. But I think I will love playing this card in uh, in draft the couple of times that I that I do Innistrad draft. It's going to go into rogues. It's going to go into rogues. Mark yeah. my words, it's going to go into rogues. I mean, this is a rogue, and then rogues is going to have to try the, the front side is a rogue. The back side is not a rogue. Keep that. Keep that in mind. Oh no! Why isn't it roguish anymore? I guess it's not secret. Exactly. It's, it's not. It's, yeah, it's an overt werewolf. Yeah. So no, no hiding anymore. I do think there's another werewolf that you called out that is pretty interesting, though. Can I read? Can I read it oh, to please? you? Yes. Outland Liberator for a generic and a green creature, cool human, werewolf. One generic sacrifice Outland Liberator, destroy target artifact or enchantment. That's the daybound side and then it's a 2-2 the back is called frenzied trap breaker it is a 3-3 werewolf that also has the generic sacrifice frenzied trap breaker destroy target artifact or enchantment activated ability but it has a triggered ability that says whenever frenzied trap breaker attacks destroy target artifact or enchantment defending player controls you can get more than one yeah bonkers pretty good i mean bear in mind Okay, you, you look at a card like this and you're like, well, that's stupid. I got to sacrifice it. Note that Thrashing Brontodon has been a card that people have a- actively played. And right. that's 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 a one green green for a three four. And you can do the same thing. You can pay up generic mana, sacrifice it to have this effect. I mean, three the one of the reasons that Thrashing Brontodon blocks all day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know about any more. It's still only a three four for three. But this is cheaper as the same basic effect and that's oftentimes why you play it is because you just want a creature that can blow up an artifact or an enchantment if this thing flips and it sticks that's a thing like you're attacking you're blowing up artifacts you're taking care of enchantments yeah 
that's pretty good value. I mean, one thing to keep in mind is that it's the same casting cost as as um, essentially with the sack ability as uh, reclamation sage, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a you know it's too generic and a green to make it do that, and then also. Um, but rec sage does it on ETB, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. But this is the same amount of mana investment. Rex Age stays behind. This would have to die to make it work. But you're you're not sure. falling behind a mana there. Um, and then also there's a card like Kasali Pride Mage that comes up sometimes as well, which is another card that has similar ability and similar casting cost, but it doesn't have the backside upside. So I think that this card is really cool and feels like it has a pedigree that matches cards that are playable in a number of different formats, including modern, believe it or not. Um I just think that this is got so much upside. I'm not sure what deck you would be most excited to like destroy a bunch of artifacts against it with, like that you would be able to attack in. But I think it's really good. Yeah, I think you know we're being reminded by one of our regulars, Aaron, who's a a Yog myth, a Yogman, uh, that this is this is just a good get for something like Yog because that's tutoring up something like Rex Age fairly often. Like Rex Age is a staple in the sideboard mm-hmm. for a deck like that. This is cheaper to get and has the ability to, like you said, it's the same mana investment, but can potentially stay around and be a thing. So there's upside there for over something like Rex Age in that particular deck. And yeah, I think that this card, like you said, has pet has comparisons to cards that have pedigree comparisons to cards that I've seen play has some potential upsides is cheaper to get with something like a court of calling. So go for it. Yep. I think this card is pretty, pretty, pretty good. All right. Another card I think is pretty good. And Dave, I'm surprised you didn't mention this. Okay. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Rem careless stalwart slayer one red white for a flying haste two three legendary human knight. You know where this is going. I just if can't with the name, Shane. I can't with the name. Rem Careless. Rem Careless. That's my bro. Rem. Me and Rem down by the schoolyard. Flying over our friends and possibly going into feather. Because if a spell would deal damage to you or another permanent you control, prevent that damage. What? Mm-hmm. If a spell would deal damage to an opponent or a permanent an opponent controls, it deals that much plus one. That sounds okay, right? I mean, that's pretty good. Like, what? There's spells that, like, what? Like, rec, is it Reckless Rage that does like two to one of your creatures and four to an opponent's creature or something mm-hmm. like that? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what the, the what? Peas oh, and carrots, right there. Uh, it's interesting that yeah, I hadn't really thought about it in this context. The funny, th- yeah, it's so funny that it makes the damage not happen from that card, and then also the way the second trigger is written out, it also would make the damage not happen as well in that sense so i mean making reckless rage into something that does five is pretty cool yeah i don't know i just haven't thought about feather in a really long time the three slot is something that's probably kind of medium but but the fact that this has haste and flying probably means it's a good target for some of the other stuff that you want to do in that deck also i mean i guess that because because of its claws, you could just cast Reckless Rage on this anyway. But I was going to say, it having three toughness is big to be able to cast Reckless Rage on it. But it doesn't even matter once you get this card down. If a spell would deal damage to you or another permanent you control, prevent that damage. That is some wild text for three mana. Yeah, I, I agree like. with that. That's pretty good. I mean, it does not protect itself. That would be busted. Yeah. But there's a lot of ways to... In a deck that plays something like God's Willing or something like that, then sure. You just protect it. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, and you can't kill it with burn to another permanent. Can. Oh, you can't kill it with burn. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what you no, just I mean, said. If, if it, yeah. yeah, prevented itself. Who we? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, as long as you have your gods willing up or ways to pump its toughness at instant speed, then you really have a lot of ways to keep to keep damage based spells from from being a thing at all. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess Feather is still a thing that pops up sometimes in Historic. It's not something that, or in Pioneer, it's not something that pops up too much in Historic. But uh, that card's cool. Yeah, I like it. I like that it has haste. Another cool card. One card that I thought was interesting to go a different a different way is uh, a vampire. Weird. And it's called Slaughter Specialist. And oh, it specializes in it slaughter. Specializes. Yeah, you know, I like people who specialize. And it is a generic and a black for a vampire warrior that says, when Slaughter Specialist enters the battlefield, each opponent creates a 1-1 white human creature token. And then it says, whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, put a plus one, plus one counter on Slaughter Specialist. And that's all it is. It's just a big beater. That's all it needs to be. Yeah, this I is agree a with body. This is yeah. a this is a body. I mean, like, what you you think you mentioned Aether gifted Aetherborn, mm-hmm. and that's a two three with lifelink and death touch, which is part of the reason it's so good. Um, but I think what's really killer about that is the three toughness, right? And this has that as well, and yep. it can grow. Yep, and it's two mana. Yeah, and the card that I was really looking at, honestly, if you think about the two CMC threats that are in a lot of the historic vamps decks, is Dusk Legion Zealot, which I'm not sure if you, you know, I know drawing a card is nice when you play this, but like, why not just play the bigger card? You know, mm-hmm. just play an actual threat instead of something that's trying to cantrip you through your deck. Um, you know, it hits hard, it's a good rate, and the token is yeah. basically meaningless. Like a one-one token, like who cares? It keeps them from hitting you one time. You're probably playing this with other cards that are going to yeah, attack you, it anyway. There's usually at least fifty-nine of them. Yeah. Um. I mean, the 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 big thing here too. Well, not the big thing, but a big thing is, gifted Aetherborn stresses your mana. Yeah. And vampires want to be in like at least Rakdos, right? So well, this is only this is only one in the black. Yeah, I mean, maybe they want to be in Rakdos now, but the most of the lists that you see in historic are mono black. Yeah. I mean, I think this lets you go into other colors a lot more easily because you're not like, I've got to play Gifted Aetherborn. That's yeah. a double black spell on two. And this is just a less stress on your mana. It's better stat line. It's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's super it vanilla in a lot of ways. Like Gifted Aetherborn getting two abilities is pretty good. So I could see, I don't know, a mix. It just seems like this card hits and not too many people have a 3-3 three, three for one and a black. Yeah. For uh, for two mana, I mean, especially I mean, black black two drops are not typically three threes. I think, especially right. in like in in my memory. So this is this is pretty darn good and has upside. I mean, of course, the downside is they get a blocker, right? Right. But then there's the potential upside where it's like I also get a removal spell target that makes it into a four four. Right. Sweet. Exactly. So I think this card could be good for that. Yeah, I like it. Yet another cool card. Um, in our in our list of more cool cards, let's go into another efficient beater in Adeline Resplendent Cathar. She's a one white white for a legendary human knight. Vigilance. Uh, her power is equal to the number of creatures you control. So it's an X4. Whenever you attack for each opponent, Create a 1-1 white human creature token that's tapped and attacking that player or a planeswalker they control. Hey, this looks kind of familiar. (laughs) 
Do you remember Bramaz? I remember friends? you liked Bramaz. I also remember Bramaz was like a $40 card. Yeah. Yeah. Us. One of the, okay. So here's a, here's a cool story, bro. Um, one of the earliest things that happened to me in magic, like my first TCG player order, like 2014 or something like that. Right. I do a TCG player order. Do you remember this? I got I I won Bramaz. Oh, it is, it I do remember. They just sent me a Bramaz. I was like, what is this? They were like, they were just giving random cards away. And Bramaz was a good get. Yeah. And I was one, I was hyped about that. I was like, sweet. This is, you know, windfall. And two, Bramaz was darn cool. And in decks, I like playing. The potential issue here is that you have to have a board. You have to have other creatures, but in this, this is just, I think, a shoe in to like pioneer and historic white based human decks. Okay. It's just going to be, it's going to go into those. It's going to get pumped by Thalia's Lieutenant. It's going to pump up Thalia's Lieutenant when it creates a white human creature token. It's going to contribute to going wide. She's going to have a boatload of power. She's hard to kill without double blocking. Uh, she has vigilance. Like, this card's good. Yeah. Okay. I I really hadn't been thinking about this card on my head out of my radar, but all right. I mean, Bramaz is legal in in Pioneer. No. But, oh yeah, Pioneer. Yeah, but not legal in Historic, and you know, it doesn't have the synergies that uh, Humans does. So we don't have a lot of Cat Tribal decks. So in interest of time, I'm just gonna give this a stamp of approval. I think we should go on because there are a few marquee cards that we probably should talk about for a minute, and I think one of them is yes, Teferi. Yeah. Teferi takes a lot of reading. I'm going to read it super fast. Yeah. Two generic blue, white blue. It's it's not that bad in terms of actual lines of text. Yeah. Plus one. Choose up to one target artifact, up to one target creature, and up to one target land. Untap the chosen permanents you control. Tap the chosen permanents you don't. Gain two life. Minus two. Look at the top three cards of your library. Put one in your hand and the rest at the bottom of your library in any order. And then minus seven, you get an emblem with untap all permanents you control during each opponent's untap step, and you draw a card during each opponent's draw step. Um, Okay, loyalty four. Let's slow the sunset down. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. um, So the big thing here is how good's the minus two, right? Very good. Yeah, right? I think it's pretty good. Yes. I'm trying to, I'm looking at what card it actually is. Isn't it just, is it just ponder? I'll put them back in any order. Draw card. No, it's different than those. Okay, because it goes yeah. on the bottom. It it's goes super on the good. bottom. So, so basically, it's like yeah, you can't brainstorm lock yourself, but you also can't set up your future draws. But you're just digging. Like the plus, I think, is pretty good. Like it's it's might be better than you think, right? Like coming down, and then plusing, you're saying, hey, I'm going to untap stuff that I control, or I'm going to tap the stuff you control, and like. And gaining two life, like this is this is one of those four mana walkers that I think is balanced really well. Where it's like I think you can get four mana value out of this thing. All right, it, the card that it is by he casts anticipate is what oh it is. Oh my Look gosh, at the top that's, three cards that in your is library. Anticipate, isn't it? Put one in your hand and the rest in the bottom in any order. Known adequate spell. Yeah, and it, so it's really close to impulse. Like that's the thing I was trying to think of, which lets you used to let you look at four and then put them put the rest on the bottom. Yeah, I mean, Anticipate's always been bad because it's two CMC, but uh, coming along like this f- with uh, Planeswalker is pretty decent. I think the gain two life is a big deal on the plus one because yeah, it lets sure. you buy some time. Um, the other stuff is a little more complicated because like tapping an artifact or tapping an opponent's creature doesn't really do much unless you're aggressive. So you're really going to be trying to untap your own cards to give them vigilance so that you can protect a fairy and like... Yeah. 
I like I think that this card is kind of borderline to be honest because very, I don't very. think the plus one is good enough, but the minus two is is nice to be able to do over and over again. So I don't know. I, I feel like this might have a hard time breaking into to our formats where we have so many good Teferis floating around already <laughs> and you so know, many Teferis and stuff like that. So I don't know. I'm probably out on this one overall. Yeah. But yeah, I think this is like a, a well designed walker that's not going to have a home. Where it's like, this is the kind of walker that I think doesn't do enough by itself. Yeah. You're going to be like, well, what does this go into like my blue-white deck? And it's like, well, yeah, I could just be playing more creatures. Uh, it's it's We'll see. I think it's 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 cool. It's well-designed. It, it It's flavorful. But I don't know if it does enough. Yeah, agree. Okay. Let's talk about another another card with Disturb. Denek, Pious, Apprentice, a blue and a white for a legendary creature, human soldier. It's a 2-3 with lifelink for two sounds, mana. Sounds okay. Cards and graveyards can't be the targets of spells or abilities, and then it has disturbed two generic blue-whites. Uh, and the flip side is a 3-2 with flying. It's a spirit soldier. And it says, whenever one or more cards are put into graveyards from anywhere, investigate this ability triggers only once each turn. I think this card is just a good good card to go in a spirits, a blue-white spirits build, for sure. Like, um, I don't know how good Ground Seal is which is what cards and graveyards can't be the targets of spell or spells or abilities. I think it has some utility, but having that a creature is okay. I mostly think that the backside is pretty interesting where it's, you know, it's cards from anywhere. Whenever a card is one or more creature cards are put in from milling or they die or yeah. you know any number of things you get uh, to investigate too. That seems pretty reasonable as well. Yeah, I mean, it's uh like you said, I think the value of the cards and graveyards can't be targets of spells or abilities is, I think, more marginal than you think it is, because, not you in particular, Dave, but one may think. Because there's just a lot of stuff where graveyards don't need to be targeted. Right. Like stuff's just like a triggered ability coming back out of the graveyard or something like that. I mean, there, of course, are many that say, like, hey, I want to, I, I wish I could target this card, but Denik is making this a pain, but then they just kill Denik. Right. You know I mean, that they eliminate it or whatever, and then they go about their way. But yeah, I mean, it's sweet. Denik, I mean, the the flip side, the pi, the pious apparition, his his uh, spooky spirit end, perfectly cool. Three two, perfectly cool. I mean, the disturbed cost is a little expensive. Right. Two blue white. I mean, not exactly hyper efficient, but I think overall this card is doing enough to sniff playability. I agree with that. Sniff it. One more card that I think is sniffing playability as we like to say around here um is the mean bishop which is the mean mean bishop he's corrupted he's called jaren corrupted bishop he is a two three for two generic and a black it's a legendary creature human cleric and it says whenever jaren corrupted bishop enters the battlefield or another non-token human you control dies you lose one life and create a one one human creature token Two generic target human you control gains lifelink until the end of the turn. At the beginning of your end step, if you have exactly 13 life, you may pay four black black if you do transform him. And then on the back, it turns into Ormondal, which is... You don't need to read this. Yeah. Flying trample, lifelink, <laughs> sacrifice a creature, draw a card, 6-6. Six, six. Yeah. I mean, I will say that friend of the pod, uh, Michael Rapp, I believe, put this on their list of top five cards really? for modern. Wow. I think, and, and I think that, I mean, I'm tired of saying good for humans. 
when humans is like continually sort of just been on the margins of modern for a surprisingly long time. This is a pretty nice piece of value. I think the life link is nice. I think, <laughs> I mean, flipping off of this like life trigger is kind of hilarious, but I, I don't know if just the value of Jaren at two and a black in the already crowded three drop spot in humans is enough to make it right. a thing. But I mean, there are other formats besides modern. Yeah, I think that from my mind, this looked like a historic-y kind of grindy humans plan, which felt like it maybe matches up with where humans goes in that in that format a little bit more. Maybe it goes in Obzon. This is a hit off of Coco, so that can be helpful. Um, I don't know. This seemed like a pretty good card, especially with how popular humans is starting to get in historic. Cool. I'll be very curious to see if this makes waves in, in modern, because I can't imagine what shell that makes sense because i don't know if michael would be talking about humans maybe he is it's interesting yeah he seems like he likes it it's just a value three drop um he's, he thinks that's probably the best value three drop they have access to so maybe it does more than i think but it's just like modern humans is not very good right now or at least it's not well at least it's not well regarded enough to see a lot of play but all right Dave, I got a couple, I have one fast one and then one that I'd like to pick your brain on. So the fast one is Cathartic Pyre. It's a one in the red instant. You get to choose one of these two modes. It deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker, or you get to discard two car up to two cards and then draw that many cards. I think this is a good card. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's It probably sees some testing in, in Dredge. It's not Cathartic Reunion. And much like th- Thrilling Discovery, if it gets countered, nothing happens. But here's just another redundant effect at two mana. It does what you want to do. And then it has backup flexibility against creatures or planeswalkers. Hmm. So I think Sodek, I think I saw Sodek talking about this card that he would be testing it. Interesting. I think it's cool. I mean, why not? Having a modal uh, Ramager is cool. Is it mostly because you want to be able to kill some, you want to be able to kill some planeswalkers? That's what I I guess it would be. I mean, uh, even getting rid of a blocker can mean can be the difference I guess that's between true. a game. I mean, it mean, you know yeah. I, mean? I guess this is kind of like it's probably better later, almost for that mode than having the creature interaction earlier. So, okay, I could see that. What's the more complicated one that you were interested in? Memory deluge. Yeah, this card's bad. Okay, you think it's bad? Yeah. So I'll read it. Generic or it's two generic blue blue instant. Look at the top X cards of your library where X is the amount of mana you spent to cast this spell. Put two of them in your hand and the rest of the bottom of your library in a random order. And then flashback is five blue blue, so you get to dig through time on the second one, for but you have to pay seven for it. And the first one is two blue blue. Look at the top X cards and you know keep two cards. Look at four and keep two for an instant. I mean, maybe saying it's bad is like a little bit over the top, but I do think that you know I guess that this card immediately replaces any deck where you were playing glimmer of genius or something like that because looking at the top four and picking two is just better than scry two draw two it's better than any of those kind of four mana you know hieroglyphic hieroglyphic illumination i think it's better than any of those cards probably so maybe this does get a little bit of marginal play just because of the upside thing yeah is this the thing people are like comparing like fact to fact or fiction yeah yeah i think so I mean, I've never cast a fact or fiction in my life. I think this is better than that, too, as well. So I, this is probably just... Yeah, maybe I did kind of short sell this card. Um, I don't think that you're going to find too many decks that run this as a four of in, in any format. But yeah, I think it is pretty powerful in that sense. It's a pretty good four mana instant draw, draw card, draw two. 
Yeah, I know Spike likes it. I mean, especially in reclamation decks, which are still somehow a thing and legal. And I know Todd Anderson just says it's ludicrous. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, even people, I think people are comparing it to like gifts, which seems bonkers well, to gifts me. Gifts is a combo piece, though. So it's a little, that's yeah, tougher. Right? Mostly a combo piece. So yeah, all right. I'm gonna I'm revising. I think that card's gonna definitely see play um in <laughs> but in what in what shell is the question and what card is that gonna be good? But that that's a really good four mana card. I mean we'll see. I mean this the card like that is completely beyond my ken. I will never cast that card. <laughs> I will never own that card. If I opened that card, I would trade it to somebody at the LGS. You're gonna send um, it to me in an envelope. Yeah. Dave, we have like we have a few minutes. Yep. Do you want to have a quick awards show? Yes. For I love award okay. shows. Let's talk about what we think is the most interesting stuff out of this set. Yeah. So, Dave, what's the card that you are, let's just say, the most sure about? What's the card you know is going to see play? Consider is the card that everyone... Okay, why, why is that? It's, I mean, I agree. it's just better than Opt, and I think it's the best, one of the best, I mean, it's one of the best single blue cantrips that we're allowed to have access to and it's an instant speed and i think it's just better than opt and so you're just never going to play opt ever again that's it (laughs) opt's done if you have cool art i'm sorry if you have invasion ops or whatever like party's over we're not playing opt anymore (laughs) yeah it's a great card uh it just and it also really works with what a lot of good modern decks are doing right now so it's just like such a sure thing for me and it's going to work fine in the the lower powered formats. I mean, I know Physic uh, Phoenix is still a thing in Pioneer. I know that this is going to see play in uh, various historic decks. It's a perfectly great card. Uh, there you go. Yeah, game over. That's the easiest about, card in here. Is it? Is there a card? Uh, any honorable mentions? Honorable mentions after talking today. I mean, I think that the. I don't know. What's your honorable mention? I think Infernal Grasp, especially not in modern. That's the one in the black, like thought seize removal spell, like where you lose two life but kill anything. Potentially even in modern, I think people are kind of sleeping on how versatile this card is mm-hmm. and how easy it is to cast. I don't think it's like the new premier removal spell in modern, but like if Terminate is seeing play, this card will be seeing play as well. Yeah, I could go with that as my second runner-up too. I mean, you know, I don't need you to agree with me, Dave, but thank yeah. you for doing so. No problem. Uh, what what's the card you're most unsure about in terms of its if it's going to be as good as as the hype or if it's going to seize play? I actually agree with what you have written down here too for unsure. I am pretty. I'm very curious about what's going to happen with faithful mending when all is said and done with all the people yeah. talking about you know, whether it's just an is it charm or is it better than is it charm because it has flashback, it's no faithless looting, but where does that fall? What decks does it go in? I mean, I think that it's a powerful card. I'm just really curious to see where it's going to end up. And so I'm a little unsure both about where it's actually going to be good and also how good it is, you know? Yeah, exactly. But, where Where's it going to go? How good is it going to be? I think it's, it's going to be a piece that people mess with for a while. And that's a, that's a cool card as long as it's not too good. Yeah. Yeah. What's the card you want you want to be good the most? Okay. I really want the red adversary to be good. The red one. Yeah. The the vampire the one that's the, dark the goblin dark dwellers. And I really want the blue adversary to be good, even though I'm much less sure that that's possible. Um, and I really would like for Light Up the Night to be good, just because nobody else is talking about, but I don't think it is. Light Up the Night. Um yeah, cool. I mean, I'm not going to argue about cards you want to be good. I think Champion of the Perished would be cool to be good. Like, why not? Give zombies a chance. Give zombies a cool one drop and make make the meme name uh, a good card. 
I think I can totally agree with that too. All right, what's All right. the card that's going to have the biggest impact on historic slash pioneer? If we can think about them as kind of one thing for a minute, I mean, maybe play with fire. Like, I mean, that's just like what that's the cool shock, cool shock, bro. Um, let's use scry. I think that's going to be more valuable than people think. Uh, it's a good card. It fits into the what the formats are, what the red decks and those formats are doing. I think it will do something. I'm going to go with uh, the Soul Warden for this one. Mm-hmm, I forget mm-hmm. their name. Um, and the and f- I actually think Faithful Absence will be pretty pretty big in Historic and Pioneer. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm I'm I wrote this very early to play with fire, like before I'd actually even finished writing my other stuff. And I'm I'm second guessing my biggest impact to Historic slash Pioneer. So, but I do think it will see play. But I I, I am willing to bet that other cards will perhaps be a bigger impact so Mm -hmm. could even be faithful mending you know what i mean like that could totally you never know when it's going to come up like that i mean what do you think is going to be the biggest impact to modern this is a tough one for me because like impact like consider i don't think is actually have the biggest impact on modern right like i think it's just efficient and fits in with some really existing great strategies already but i think something like faithful mending which we've talked about a few times already is going to make bigger waves but i'm curious like how sustained and how distant those waves travel right in terms of my wave metaphor i mean it's just like is is ubiquity impact or is just like sheer power level impact like what's going to make new decks around it or what's going to make like marginal decks a lot better and i think faithful mending could be that card but i'm not sure yet Totally agree with your assessment. And I think that if you think about impacts, in my mind, Faithful Mending is the one that will make a bigger impact. I think that Consider is just good, but I don't think it's going to, it's not going to change anything for anybody. It's just Mini Thought Scour is just like a good card, you know? For sure. Well, Dave, we we have come to the end of Innistrad Midnight Hunt. This set is cooler than I expected. Um, there There was a lot of cards that we, I had to talk about you know, we we fit a lot of cards in and i think they're all interesting i think they're all going to have some kind of play and nothing seems busted to me besides potentially faithful mending but even that does that seem really busted i don't know we'll find out i think overall uh well-balanced set well-designed set good flavor i'm i think uh, the the limited i know a lot of people are excited to play i don't remember this being the case for like uh shadows over innistrad I remember it coming out and just being like, okay, okay. Like, I think people are hyped for this. It's an under, underrated limited format, I think, Shadows, especially Shadows Eldritch Moon, but we could talk about that some other time. <laughs> On our bonus episode of the limited dive down. But Dave, thanks for hanging out with me uh, this lovely Sunday evening. It's my favorite thing to do all week. And that wraps up this week's show. If you haven't yet, uh, subscribe to our pod. You get the latest episodes as soon as they come out, which is like, what, midnight? Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern on Wednesday mornings, typically. And if you use Apple Podcasts, much like many other people, please leave us a rating and or a review. We appreciate those. Makes us feel good about ourselves and I think helps people find us if they're looking for us somehow. If you want to pick our brains, you want to talk to us about something, tweet is probably the best. At the dive down, all one word. If you want to email us, it's the dive down at gmail.com. If you want to support us, head on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash the dive down. Uh, even a buck a week, you get access to the, the definitively discreet dive down discord. Uh, we love hanging out there. We're talking there 
often patreon.com slash the dive down again thanks to mana traders sponsoring us you can sign up to mana, sign up for mana traders using promo code the dive down 2021 gets you 15 percent off your first two months of renting magic online cards we use them we love them of course thanks to nowhere and space blood some good bands letting us use their music and until next week get out there and get night bye